Welcome to the Business of Biotech. On today's episode, we're jumping into GMP and CMC considerations with a true authority on the subject, Dr. Shabir Anik, CTO at Sutro Bio. Dr. Anik is applying a unique perspective on CMC strategy at Sutro, and on today's episode, he'll dig into that strategy and offer some advice on the topic for biopharma leaders aspiring for the clinic. Let's give it a listen. So welcome to the Business of Biotech. Today we have Dr. Shabir Anik uh, on, on the line with us, and he is Chief Technical Operations Officer at Sutro Biopharma, where he's been working for about the last four years. Is that correct, Dr. Anik? Yes, that's correct. Excellent. So uh, there, uh, Sutro works on, a, a, it's got a pipeline of oncology candidates. Uh, and in, in Dr. Anik's 30-some years of experience, uh, he's been previously the chief technical officer at, uh, or in CTO-like positions at Onyx, uh, president and, and CEO at Althea. Is it, did I pronounce that correctly? That's correct, Althea Technologies. Yeah, okay. And you've held senior positions at uh, Nurex, Syntex, and even did a bit of vendor time uh, as president and CSO of Pharma Development Services at Patheon. Yes. Um, yeah. So welcome to the show, Dr. Anik. It's, a, it's, a, it's an honor to have you uh, on the show. Uh, you've got a broad and rich background in drug development and CMC, uh, CMC strategies, uh, which is, is where we're going to sort of focus our conversation today. I know you've uh, contributed to several uh, INDs and NDAs. Uh, so um, makes you an excellent choice for today's conversation on the business of biotech. And I want to kick things off with a, a high level, uh, kind of wide open question for you. Um, I'm going to assume the role and say that I'm, uh, I'm, I'm leading a discovery stage biopharma and it's very early days for my company, uh, but we're beginning to think about our, our, our transition to a development company. What are the primary uh, technical operations and CMC considerations that I should be concerning myself with in, in that capacity? Right. So, so I think one has to start with kind of a holistic view of both uh, what the company is developing and, and where the company is, uh, both in terms of that uh, development uh, stage. And of course, financing is always an important aspect uh, in terms of early times of a biotech company. Um, so the holistic piece from a technical operations perspective is to first of all, understand the strategic objectives of the company, uh, which then translates to basically a timeline to generally uh, most important milestones for a company is to get as quickly as possible to the clinic. Uh, and uh, CMC uh, is generally becomes a rate limiting uh, step because uh, you have to have product in order to be able to test it first in toxicology studies, and then of course, taking it to the clinic. So understanding the timeline is important because that then helps you translate that into what will be the most effective strategy from a CMC perspective to deliver to that timeline. And tied to that then is the question of, well, what is it gonna to cost to deliver that? Uh, so try, uh, developing a cost-effective approach, again, is very important because uh, as we know, uh, uh, 
financing and, and dollars available is always, uh, uh, has to be carefully managed uh, in those early days. So mm -hmm. developing a cost-effective strategy is extremely important. And tied to that then is the question of short-term versus long-term. Uh, because, uh, you know, there may be reasons why you might initially focus on the short-term and uh, then move on to a longer-term strategy. Uh, both as it relates to the development aspects and ultimately to uh, GMP supply of product. Uh, and generally, you want to try to at least develop a two to three year strategy. Again, uh, primarily as it relates to uh, the dollars required and the budgetary implications for the company. So I'll stop there uh, and see if uh, you want further amplification in any of those aspects. Sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, 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 uh, the budget uh, one is a big one. We've uh, been covering on the business of biotech for the past several uh, episodes, uh, quite a bit on, on funding, uh, extending your cash runway, uh, you know, cons conserving cash, uh, mi mitigating financial risk. Um, that's, that's a big one for fledgling companies, new and emerging biotech. So, um, you know, we're operating on a lot of borrowed money. So how do we ensure the, the cost efficiency? Let's kind of uh, pause there for a minute and drill down into ensuring the cost efficiency of, 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 of my CNC, uh, CMC strategy. So Matt, perhaps before we go to the cost, I think one has to talk about uh, the team. Hmm, okay and the tech ops leadership, because mm. uh, that is the first step in terms of uh, then moving on to, to, de to developing that CMC strategy. So it's very important uh, at this early stage for the biotech company to uh, recruit, hire uh, an individual, a senior individual as the leader of the tech ops team, who really has a fairly broad uh, understanding experience of uh, both developing and manufacturing products um, the broad experience is important because you need a combination of both understanding all of the aspects of development, but then also having an entrepreneurial approach of, of how you'd actually get those cost-effective strategies in place and a comfort level of the kind of risks and judgments that one will need to make along the way because uh, that will drive cost effectiveness. Mm -hmm. uh, you will have to make uh, decisions where you may not have all the data or you may have to make certain uh, decisions related to what will be sufficient in terms of uh, data. And so getting an individual who, uh, who understands all that is very important. And at the same time, that individual must have some level of uh, business acumen because uh, that piece then has to be tied in to the tech ops strategy. So that's the first step, is, is getting that uh, senior uh, executive on the team. The Business of Biotech is brought to you in partnership with Cytiva. Together, we're committed to helping the leaders of new and emerging biopharma companies navigate the financial, organizational, human resources, and regulatory waters you'll encounter on your way from discovery to the clinic and beyond. Check out a host of useful resources for biotech leaders at Cytiva's Emerging Biotech Accelerator at cytivalifesciences.com backslash emerging biotech. That's C-Y-T-I-V-A lifesciences.com 
backslash emerging biotech. What is the, what is the, um, I guess the landscape for that persona right now in terms of availability, you know, t- talent availability, uh, is it, a, is it a hard position to fill? Well, uh, there's always challenges in filling those senior level positions, uh, to get the kind of, uh, combination of experience that I mentioned. However, what has happened over the last several years or last 10 to 15 years is that a lot of individuals who originally started in the large pharma environment who have a very solid understanding of, of drug development have moved on then to biotech companies uh, and have developed that kind of understanding of what it takes to work in a biotech environment. Mm-hmm. So there is now a fairly large pool of individuals who have the combined experience of both uh, the, the understanding of what it takes, all of the, all the technical aspects and important aspects of, of uh, developing uh, the CMC pieces of a drug and then combining that with that business strategy. So yeah. there's a good pool available now, but at the end of the day, given the large number of biotechs that now are, you know, have been, uh, are, are all in those early stages, it does get competitive. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So now let's, let's shift those gears into, uh, into cost efficiencies um, and, and maybe share some, you know, some of your personal stories in, in this capacity, in this role uh, and advice around um, maintaining that cost efficiency. So, you know, the, the whole landscape of developing drugs and the question of, uh, you know, what do you do in-house versus what do you outsource? That actually all changed uh, uh, probably, what, 20, 25 years ago when biotechs came into the scene. And uh, the early lessons learned uh, in the biotech space were that trying to build your own manufacturing facilities, your own large development facilities as it relates to CMC became very expensive. And given that what we know about how long it takes to do clinical studies, expensive not only to build, but to maintain during that time frame, mm-hmm. And that actually spurred the development of what we now call the CDMO industry, contract development manufacturing organizations which have now reached a relative level of maturity. So what is available now to allow these small companies are these fairly large, as well as some very good small focused CDMOs who one can partner with to conduct the CMC piece of, uh, uh, for, for both developing and manufacturing product. So the question in terms of then developing a cost-effective strategy is, uh, uh, well, there's two parts to that again. So the question, first question is, are you working with established technology, which uh, in which case there might be many uh, CDMOs who would help you develop the product? Or is this a new technology platform where potentially there may not be any CDMOs to help you with? And we can talk about the latter uh, in a bit which is uh, actually very specific in terms of Sutro Biopharma and the strategy that Sutro followed uh, given its fairly unique technology platform. Mm-hmm. So if you start with the established technology, the question to ask is, so what are some core internal capabilities that one needs internally 
in terms of whether it's staffing, whether it's laboratory space, et cetera. And what are uh, the capabilities that are readily available in the CDMO space? And how do you marry the two? So I think uh, having, having that balance allows you to then sort of optimize your, uh, uh, the dollars that you're gonna be spending uh, in terms of uh, CMC development. Mm -hmm. And this is a fairly common model now. Um, a lot of biotech companies do this. Uh, it goes back again to uh, you know, the, the tech ops leader who really has to have a good understanding of how all of this comes together and, and the outsourcing strategy that needs to be developed in terms of uh, you know, mapping out the supply chain. And again, the question of short-term versus long-term, you know, where are the risks? Uh, generally, uh, early on, you pretty much don't have a choice but to be single-sourced uh, in uh, all the different pieces that you need to pull together to make the product. And so one has to be careful in terms of selecting those CDMOs so that you're not creating uh, a weak link in that supply chain as it relates to finally manufacturing GMP product. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, you know, and that strategy has to be de developed early on. Yeah. I'll stop there and see uh, if you have any questions as it relates to the established technology piece. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, just a, a general follow-up I'd like some clarification on. So if I, if I go the established technology route and I, I, I outsource, um, is, is there any risk or is this is, is, is maybe just a perceived risk? Is there any risk of, uh, I guess, losing or, or, or sacrificing something that defines you in your CMC, some uh, proprietary or, um, I guess, competitive differentiator? Um, generally, most of the proprietary aspects uh, of your products are developed early on in the discovery stage. Okay. Most of your patents are around those. Uh, and, and for that, most companies do have the internal capabilities. There may be some process related or development related or formulation related uh, uh, aspects that one, you know, that one might want to develop in house. Mm -hmm. Although I think in, uh, in today's environment, uh, CDMOs are willing to work with companies where any proprietary discoveries are passed on back to the company. So one can protect your proprietary dis uh, um, developments uh, in that manner. Mm -hmm. Alternatively, as I mentioned, you may want to have some internal capabilities specifically focused on the proprietary aspects of, the, of, of what you're developing. And that can be uh, you know, relatively small uh, to manage that while you continue to manage uh, all of the standard development activities uh, externally. Okay, okay. So now uh, let, let's, let's learn a little bit about uh, Sutro's proprietary uh, platform and maybe give us a little bit of background on uh, its genesis and, and why Sutro chose that path. Right. So Sutra now has been in existence almost over 15 years uh, and it was established based on a platform developed at Stanford where the premise on the question that uh, the research group there was, uh, wanted to answer was, can we actually uh, create an ex vivo approach to manufacturing protein uh, molecules? I extract the machinery, and in this case, they use an E. coli bacteria, extract the machinery from the bacteria, and then use it in a biochemical reaction to make protein. 
And so, uh, and that has certain advantages if you can do that as opposed to having to grow cells every time uh, and, uh, and scale up that particular uh, approach. Mm-hmm. And so over the last many years, uh, Sutra has continued to uh, build on that platform. And so the, 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 the challenge there was that to develop that process of, of extracting the machinery was not something that you could go out and have a CDMO do. Mm-hmm. Because there was a lot of development work, a lot of internal understanding, a lot of continuous modification jointly between the research group and the process group and an iterative process. So trying to use an external CDM approach is really not effective. The other piece being that we really wanted to keep the technology and the understanding as proprietary as possible. As our CEO likes to refer to the equivalent of Coke syrup, where we have created this E. coli modified bacteria and a process that allows us to extract the machinery which we can then store uh, in a frozen state right now. And, and we've now also developed a dry powder form and use it as needed to make protein in within 24 hours. So, so the big advantage here is one, we can, we can extract the machinery, put it in inventory, uh, bring it to use when we need it. And within 24 hours, we can make protein. Uh, current technology using mammalian cells is several weeks or longer, depending on what scale you're doing and before you can actually harvest uh, the protein antibody. Mm -hmm. So that's a significant advantage. Uh, In addition, uh, we are able to introduce certain non-natural amino acids into the antibody itself, which then allows us to create site-specific conjugation. And that's the platform that we currently have uh, in terms of developing antibody drug conjugates and being actually able to create homogeneous antibody drug conjugates with site-specific attachment of the warheads. So the question then becomes, well, how do we now translate this into a overall company strategy? Uh, And Sutro made a key strategic decision uh, several years ago in terms of, of saying that, you know, we need our own manufacturing facility so that we can continue, one, to be able to optimize the system and to maintain the proprietary nature of the platform. And so uh, several years ago, uh, Sutra was able to acquire an existing facility, uh, which uh, obviously had to be modified for our needs, but uh, it was cost effective since, you know, there's significant cost in building a new facility, uh, Greenfield. So this allowed us to quickly ramp up and establish uh, the necessary uh, equipment, et cetera, and essentially create a GMP facility. And, uh, you know, it was sized to a point where it quickly allowed us to make both toxicology and uh, clinical material. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, it is still an expensive strategy uh, because you have, you know, significant investment to be made uh, in terms of getting the facility up and running and then continuing to uh, operated on a, on a regular basis. Uh, obviously, you know, we have over 60 people in the facility uh, running it, uh, you know, both in manu- having both manufacturing and quality assurance and quality control people. But, uh, you know, Sutra was fortunate in attracting some very uh, important partners, starting with uh, Celgene, which is now Bissell Myers Squibb, uh, 
uh, following on with uh, EMD Merck uh, Serono, which is now a Merck G uh, Merck Germany, and most recently uh, Merck uh, and Company uh, in the U.S. And that has allowed us to both continue with uh, the financial aspects of maintaining the facility and also building then an internal technical operations group uh, to support all these development programs, our own plus our partners, and then also the facility. So today we have close to 100 people in technical operations. As I mentioned, uh, 60 or so in um, manufacturing a facility here in San Carlos and another 40 in, um, in process and product development. Mm -hmm. Does your, uh, does your, in, in each of these scenarios, uh, outsourcing uh, versus, uh, you know, acquiring or, or building your own manufacturing facility, does your risk profile uh, differ in, the, in between the two, two scenarios? Risk around regulatory quality, you know, quality? Uh. Um, I'm not sure necessarily that the risk profile defers, you know, uh, one of the concerns, and certainly in the early days, uh, pharma always had concerns about using CDMOs because you know you basically are relying on their uh, abilities to manage all the GMP-related functions and ensure compliance mm -hmm. and ensure that you know they're meeting all of the regulatory requirements by uh, regulatory agencies, so that there's no ugly surprises where if there's an audit and if a regulatory agency finds certain uh, uh, issues which may potentially uh, either impact your product or impact continuation of the facility until remedies are in place, which obviously then affects timelines. So the way to uh, uh, sort of overcome that is you do need to make sure you have good oversight of your CDMO. Mm -hmm. Starting early on, uh, when you select a CDMO, <coughs> excuse me, mm -hmm. that you've done your due diligence, both in terms of uh, you know their uh, their previous history, regulatory history, a QA audit uh, with your own either your own QA people or consultants that you would use, and also ensuring in parallel that they have a strong technical group because uh, generally, uh, you know, without that, you can also have a stumble in terms of actually developing and or, or doing the uh, appropriate uh, technical work or to ensure that when you manufacture the product, you're not having surprises. Right. So you can, uh, you can overcome those risks by that careful due diligence early on. Okay. Uh, tell, tell us a little bit about your approach at Sutro, uh, you know, it, it doing, doing things in-house and in your, in your proprietary platform, uh, your, your approach around risk um, mitigation, assessment and, and mitigation. Right. Uh, and actually what I should say is that, you know, Sutro's products, uh, uh, as I mentioned, the antibody drug conjugates, mm -hmm. uh, which involve actually multiple steps in terms of ultimately getting to the final product. And so Sutro actually has a dual strategy where we make the antibody right now, uh, which is with our platform, but then the antibody needs to be conjugated with a link of warhead and then ultimately fill in vials. Mm -hmm. So those pieces 
in terms of getting the link of overhead manufactured, the conjugation done, and then finally the violin actually outsourced to different companies uh, with specific expertise in those areas to give us a final product. Okay, thanks for that clarification. Right. Yeah. So coming back to the first piece in terms of uh, then manufacturing the antibody, um, as far as managing risk, uh, you know, uh, well, starting as a starting point, I have a strong quality assurance organization who ensures that we understand what the GMP regulations are and ensuring that the, we comply to them. And they work closely with the manufacturing organization to put in place all the appropriate procedures, starting with you know, standard operating procedures of what is needed, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, the appropriate training that goes with it, and ultimately the execution and monitoring and finally reviewing all of the executed batch records to ensure that everything was done according to uh, what the batch master batch record and the procedures required. So we do institute all of that to ensure that we are not in any way compromising the final integrity of the product. And of course, the final test uh, is uh, all the quality control uh, procedures to ensure that uh, the product meets specifications. Um, one has to, of course, you know, there is a difference in terms of early development versus commercial production, mm-hmm. as far as you know, dotting I's and crossing all the T's. Uh, so from that perspective, one needs to look at what would be sufficient uh, from a early development phase one product in terms of uh, ensuring uh, the basic requirements for uh, good manufacturing practices. At the end of the day, the first you know, and, and, and foremost criteria is under no circumstances would you want to compromise anything that could affect the integrity of the product and the safety of the patient. So any decision made is always first with those two pieces in mind. And then one looks to see what could be reasonable in terms of the stage as far as maintaining that GMP environment with the facility. If, if I'm, uh, let's say, very early development stage uh, company, what, um, I, I guess, what's the, what's, what's the minimum that I need to have in place? Is it that, you know, that, that QA person? Is it, uh, you know, a, a, a process, a piece of software? What, what, what's the minimum that I, I should at least be building on? Well, if you're running your own facility and billion facility, there's just a whole host of pieces that you have put in place. Uh, you know, the GMP regulations outline all of those pieces, yeah. uh, starting with, you know, the facility itself, uh, what's the minimum requirements, uh, validating the facility, ensuring that all of the facility pieces are meeting the specifications required to, to um, make your product, whether you're making, you know, a small molecule or, or a, a large molecule, there may be differences in terms of requirements, in terms of things like you know, bio burden in terms of the classification of the areas, uh, your air handling systems, et cetera. So there's a whole host of different pieces that all need to come together. Uh, most of them are spelled out pretty, uh, uh, pretty well in terms of the regulations. And then again, it starts with the team. You have to have, you know, a strong team starting with, you know, your, your heads of manufacturing, your heads of QA and your heads of engineering. 
Mm -hmm. uh, those are the three critical pieces that essentially make sure that you know you are uh, managing the facility uh, and building the facility and operating it uh, in the appropriate manner. And then uh, you know you have the multiple uh, levels of both uh, managers and, and individuals who all have, uh, should be well experienced and well trained. Uh, at the end of the day, it has to, you know, once you have the basics of facility and equipment, it's the people who ensure that the product is being made uh, in the manner that it needs to, to, uh, to ultimately ensure that integrity. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Are uh, you ready to move on to owning versus owning programs versus partnering? Right. So I, I think, well, uh, Again, a lot depends on the ultimate business strategy of the company. Uh, what the you know what is the technology that they have? Uh, are they are they you know are they partnering specific molecules that's coming through the discovery engine? Are they partnering a platform that allows uh, you know a partner to then um, essentially use the platform for? certain molecules that the partner's interested in. Um, so a lot, a lot depends on, on that business strategy. I think most companies, smaller companies, uh, have a joint strategy where they may have some of their own products, but uh, at the same time, uh, you need partners for, again, multiple reasons. So one is uh, the non-dilutive financing, which is always important. Uh, I think second is, uh, Validation of your platform and of your uh, of your uh, your discovery uh, approach. So the more more um, sort of heavyweight partners that you have, it obviously uh, is helpful again from an ultimate uh, investor and and financing strategy. Uh, and then uh, you know uh, the question then that comes up is how do you set up the organization to both manage your internal programs and then also manage the partner programs. Mm -hmm. uh, and depending on, again, um, what the partnership is, uh, in, 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 uh, in the case where you're essentially licensing a molecule that you developed, uh, and very often if it's a big pharma partner, they might essentially take that molecule and develop it themselves, in which case you're not doing a whole lot other than maybe, you know, work that you might have early, early preclinical work uh, based on the knowledge you have. In our case, where uh, the partner is really relying on our platform of which we have uh, the most knowledge of, uh, essentially we are doing all the work uh, based on targets uh, that the partner has provided us. So we're doing the early uh, research work uh, you know, to find the right molecule for the target. And then all of the development work uh, including, you know, not only just design the process, but making the product since we have a proprietary platform and, uh, and we need to make the product in a manufacturing facility. So in that case, we need to set up the appropriate uh, teams, the joint partnership teams that allow, uh, you know, uh, facile communication, ensuring uh, we understand, uh, you know, the partner's needs, ensuring we understand what the partners, and as we know, uh, with big pharma partners, they certainly have a criteria which may be different and more extensive in terms of uh, the development aspects of a product. 
So one has to take all those considerations in place in terms of uh, developing the partner product. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, believe it or not, Dr. Anik, we are running short on time already. Uh, uh, so I, I, we're going to have to wrap this up, but I, I'd like to give you the opportunity to offer any uh, concluding thoughts or parting shots of wisdom for uh, the leaders of new and emerging biopharmas who are on this path? So I think a key piece, which I feel is often um, maybe not, um, maybe overlooked, is one, this, the executive team uh, of a biotech must understand what the potential risks are in that CMC development plan. Mm -hmm. Because more likely than not, there, there will be issues that will come up, uh, whether that specific technical issues, or as we said earlier, potential issues where uh, you're forced to select the CDMO based on certain reasons, and that CDMO you know, has certain risk profiles. So one of the most important things that a, the, the leader of the technical operations team um, must uh, uh, educate the executive team as to where are the risks in that development plan, what are the opportunities or what are the mitigation approaches? Because uh, if you, if, you know, depending on what's critical to the company, there may be mitigation approaches that can be put in place, but there's a cost to those. Mm -hmm. So I think educating the executive team on all of those pieces is very important. The fact that, you know, you're relying on everything and everything being first time right, there's a risk to that. But that's the only way you can develop your initial plan is based on assuming everything goes right the first time. Yeah. And that's something that's very important that the executive team understands so that they're not surprised and then uh, you know um, uh, all kinds of issues come up as it relates to the timeline so i would say that that's one of the most critical things that early on needs to be uh, evaluated excellent well sound advice dr anik and i uh, i want to thank you for coming on the show uh, and sharing your wisdom with us it's been an honor my pleasure thank you That's Dr. Shabir Anik. I'm Matt Piller, and this is the Business of Biotech. We are produced by Bioprocess Online in partnership with Cytiva, which offers a host of great resources for new and emerging biopharma companies on its Emerging Biotech Accelerator at CitivaLifeSciences.com backslash Emerging Biotech. Check that out. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and our newsletter at BioprocessOnline.com. And in the meantime, thanks for listening.